Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello friends, welcome to Talking Transformative Love podcast. And on today's episode, we have Sister Margaret Scully, who has been a Loretto sister for 63 years. What an effort. How did you do it, Marg? <laughs> don't know. I don't know. Still going. Still going. You, you reckon you'll make it to about 80 years being a sister? Oh, not Break 80 the years. Record? No, 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 not 80 years. No, 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 no. Not so 63 years. years. Mm. That's a long time. It is a long time. Mm. Have, you, have you learnt anything? <laughs> well, what have I learnt in that 63 years? Huge changes. Huge yeah. changes have happened because I came, when I entered, it was pre-Vatican II. And yeah. that was, our order was very, very much um, enclosed and, and uh, institutionalised yeah. in, in every aspect. Yes. Big communities. And then Vatican II came and that just turned everything upside yeah. down. So when you joined, did you wear the habit? Yes, definitely. And what did you think mm. of the habit? Well, it was all part and parcel of the, of the vocation, or <laughs> part and parcel of of what I'd chosen, yeah. and, uh, who I'd chosen to follow and and be. So yeah. the habit was was just part of it. Yeah. But the with our order, the habit was never the the end of all. Yes. Uh, whereas, say the Dominicans and still the, some some yeah. orders, yeah, especially those early monastic orders, the yeah. habit was really. A significant part of their vocation, yeah. but that was never for for certainly Loretto. Well, did you? BBMs. Is it because Mary Ward probably never wanted to well, have she it? She didn't. No. no, she didn't. She wanted us to be apostolic missionaries. Yes, contemplatives. Yes, yes, but apostolic missionaries. Whereas the religious orders up until that time were all contemplative orders. Yeah. So uh, what what does apostolic missionaries include? What does that entail? Action. Yeah. Action out in the streets. Yes. We were talking yesterday to a few people from Ballarat and they were mm. talking about the statue of Mary Ward facing the gate. Yes, yes. She's going outwards. Yeah. yeah. Like being the... out there. Yeah. Which is, which is what yeah. really, I mean, that's what the gospel is, is about. Of course it is. And yeah. that's what Pope Francis is emphasising, yeah. is yeah. that it, it's and a church out there. Yeah, that's right. And mm. Mary Ward had that right from the very beginning. She didn't want us to uh, be in habits yes. or conform to the monastic life. Yeah. But that wasn't to say that we didn't uh, have a commitment to our prayer life. Yeah. That yeah. was central, but through the apostolic work. And she, she said we are, well, I think Ignatius might have said it before, are contemplatives in action. Yeah. So, so uh, Mark, tell uh, us where you were born and what was... I was life. actually I was actually born in a little place. It was not a little place. I was actually born in Bananyong. Yeah. And at the age of six, I moved into Ballarat with my family. Yes. To Ballarat, so I really, you know, Ballarat's my home. Yeah. Home, um, so yeah, you're used and, to the and cold and yeah, the really yeah, bad weather. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I I had very uh, loving and 
supportive parents and yes. so forth. I have a, we didn't have any money, like nobody had any money at that stage. It was just after the, uh, well, the two big wars yeah. and the Depression, the Great Depression in between the two wars. Yeah. People had nothing. And my mother used to remind us often about that um, we were married in the Depression. And yeah. that said a lot. People were, you know, they didn't have any money and so forth. Yes. And my mother was one of eight and my father was one of 12. So we had lots of relations and cousins and uh, we'd group around, you know, weekends with, yeah. our, with our family and grandparents and so forth. Yes. Very, very conscious of of our grandparents and, and where they came from too. Yeah, you know, yeah. So you would have had different generations that you lived with. Yes, and cousins, lots of cousins. So common. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how yeah. I grew up too, with mm. different generations yeah. uh, in the same household. And, and the other thing that happened there too, we had uh, one aunt who was in Sydney. Oh, we might have had a couple of relations around Melbourne, but the majority stayed in Ballarat, Sebastopol, yeah. Rudan, Ballarat North, so, that, so we, you know, yeah. we were conscious of them. Yeah, and, yeah. So around. you're a you're mm. a country girl. Well, I suppose you'd say Ballarat, yeah. Ballarat was country. Yeah. But but now <laughs> my grandparents had had little farms, so we uh, you know we used to go out and milk. We didn't milk the cow, but we'd see them, you know, yeah. in, in the farmyard. Mm. So what would be your image of God? Do you think? Good question. I probably can't remember thinking much about the image of God as a child growing up, except to say that my both my parents were Catholic and very committed to their faith and prayer, and we we had the rosary every night. Um, and you still obviously pray the rosary, don't you, on your knees? Some, no, yeah. not, no, not not nowadays, not the, not to the same effect. <laughs> But say sitting with Jen the other day, that that's what I did. You know, yeah, Jen, when, when she was dying. But um, uh, my image of God, uh, I can remember my mother sometimes used to go to weekday mass and, and she'd take us with her. And I used to think there must be something extra special in mass for my mother to take us out of warm beds into the yeah. cold mornings and walk walk down to the to the church. How like, early are we talking? Oh, seven o'clock. Oh, and yeah. And it would be a particular feast day, or uh, as well as the Sunday mass, yes. you know. And I used to think, and that's probably when I began to think there must be something special about God and prayer and the mass, and for Mum to drag us out of the yeah. bed and take us with, you know, walk a couple of blocks in the cold and the frost, and you know, to go to mass, and then we come home and and, yeah. and then go back to school. Mm. Yeah, so. But my image of God then, I can't remember thinking very much about it, except I suppose experiencing the love of family and, and parents and, and absorbing that. Yeah. See, that would have been, but I didn't so think what of would it as be, an image of God. No. So I suppose your experience of God is growing up in a loving home. Yeah, and a faith-filled home. Yeah. So I was lucky that. Mum and Dad were good Catholics, and yeah, and we were we were blessed by the being there. So, were they mm. happy when you said that you wanted to join a religious order? Yeah, I really wanted to join pretty much straight from school when I finished school, and that's what was happening with a lot of younger people yeah. going off mm. 16, 17, 18. And my mother said no; she wasn't 
saying no you can't and, and, and not supporting yeah. very much supporting but she said I want you to wait till you're 21 and dad always followed whatever mum said so yeah. he wasn't going wise to, man he wasn't yeah <laughs> wise man he wasn't going to interfere no. so mum said to me wait till you're 21 and in those days you did well I did listen to my parents <laughs> uh, you see and uh, so I thought oh well and that's when I got a job in an office and uh, I worked there yeah. for three years and had a great time and, and I was really uh, involved a lot with the YCW, which was the Youth Catholic Youth Group oh, at the yes. time. I think and it's still very going. Invo yeah, very yeah. involved with that. And life was revolved around family, yeah. the church and the youth group and work. Yeah. And that was three or four years. Anyway, when I was uh, 18 and a half, something like that, my mother fell pregnant. And oh. it was a change of life baby, as yeah. they call them. And she became pregnant with Jared. And when Jared was born, Mum said to me, "You can go whenever you want, because he's come yeah. to take your place." So I went off. I oh. entered just before my twentieth birthday. He was one year old. Mm. Is that what she and, said? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. So Jared, how, how came, do you think that made you feel? Jared came, and and I was nineteen when Jared wow. was born. And my sister Mary was 17, so he came. Yeah. And Mum said to me, well, you can go. So I was 19 when Jared was born, so I actually entered in Normanhurst uh, a month before I was 19. Mm. Yeah. No, before I was 20. So did yeah. you feel like you were set free? Uh, Jared made it happen. <laughs> he did make it happen. Well, he made it happen earlier than anticipated, you yeah. see. see because you, you were me meant to wait well, around till 21. Mum said, I want you yeah. to wait till you're 21. And that was very good advice because I I had lots of fun in, in the youth group and dances and socials. And and um, we used to have to prepare the scripture each week. And if you were a leader, you had responsibilities yeah. as a leader. And I had all of that. So when I came to the novitiate, praying or dissecting the scripture it was quite easy for me because I'd been grounded in it during yeah. uh, during the preparation time, you know, when yeah. I was waiting to enter. And it so happened that that particular year that I entered, Cynthia from Ballarat, Cynthia mm. Wright came with me, and the other two were Anne McPhee and Elizabeth Keane. Oh, wow. So that was our foursome. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think the hand of God is in all of that when you say mm. the image of God. Well, and see, Mum was 48 when Jared was born. And so there was oh, a wow. risk there. So yes. we, we used to pray, you know, that she'd be safe and he'd be safe and so forth. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so he, he set you free, Jared. <laughs> Are you close to him? <laughs> no, because I don't really. I no. Don't really, I, I know him, but I don't yeah. really know him at all. No, no. You know. They had my but, photo up on the mantelpiece at home and mum used to talk about him, about me to him and so forth. But uh, I don't think, I don't no. know. I've never asked him much really. Yeah. Ah. yeah. He lives in Ballarat and my sister lives in Ballarat. And Are you close now? Said, well, I'm very rarely home, you see, yeah. now. And, and right from the very beginning, we, we were... There were years, it was 23 years before I went home. Wow. Actually home, back to Ballarat. So, yeah. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he came to our, my profession and he was only, what was he then, about three, I think, my first profession. He would have been just on three. And, 
Yeah. Yeah, dear little fellow. So He's been a good man. What mm. made you want to join the Loretto sisters? What was it about them? And, and well, you... I'd been taught by them, and I'd, yeah. been, I'd been taught by wonderful, wonderful teachers, mm. wonderful teachers uh, during that time. And school was fun, and and um, and we were extended. The nuns that taught us, we were at Redan, and they made us feel we didn't miss out on anything. You know, yeah. They brought in good extracurricular teachers for us, and so I knew the Loretto's at that level, mm. and. But I was a bit interested in doing nursing because I didn't think I had a teaching sort of vocation, you might say. I, I didn't think I was clever enough. Um, oh, I don't and, know about that. And then, but I was interested in nursing. Mm. So I actually made an appointment to see the provincial of the St John of Gods in Ballarat for nursing. Ah. And on my way, I'd stayed friendly with Mother Lucy, who was the one who did the st uh, stenography talk course with us and so forth. And I'd stayed friendly with her. And I called in to see her, as we used to do in those yeah. days, call in and see the nuns, you know. And uh, I called in <laughs> to see her and I said, oh, guess what, I'm on my... She said, no, you're not. She said, you're coming to us. If you're going oh, anywhere, you're coming to us. They, they, they poached you. Yeah, so she said, cancel that appointment and... Um, you know, come yeah. back and have another talk. And I had two or three, Loretto and Mother Christine and Lucy, Theodore. There were a few of them that I'd sort of stayed in contact yeah, with. Yeah. And we used to write them letters at Christmas time and they'd write back and, and uh, we used to think that was yeah. wonderful. Anyway, I, uh, I said, all right, I'll have a think about it. And that's how... I came, I came simply because I knew them and, and yes. they'd been... Very kind and uh, you know, in the school. Yep. Mm. And, and in Ballarat, you see the Loretto Mary's Mountain yeah. and so forth. And, mm, and, and lots of you said that you learnt a bit about Mary Ward. Yeah, because in our classrooms, each of the classrooms of Redan, yeah. that was, was now a primary school, but in those days it went up to year eight. Yeah. So, and then I did the commercial course the next year after that with three or four others. And over over the we had a fireplace in every yeah. classroom because we had a fire, and we used to the kids would have to they were responsible for bringing a bundle of kindling to get the fire yes. going, and, mm. and you'd see the kids carrying the kindling to school if they were if they were the ones who were meant to do it. But over the fireplace at each of the classrooms was the big black and white picture of Mary Ward. I don't know whether you've seen that with the children around her. No, she's sitting in the middle, ah. and so we that was. On top of the uh, yeah. hanging on the wall near yeah. the fireplace, yeah. Know, so f right from the very word go. And when I was in grade two, they had the tercentenary of Mary Ward, which is what's two three yeah. must have been three hundred years since Mary Ward was born. Or not too sure what yeah. it was, but it's in the history book somewhere. And we were in grade two and Mother Magdalena, who was Sister Sheila, you probably didn't know her, she was in charge of Redan at the moment and she didn't let us miss out on anything. So we were yeah. put into a bus and taken up to Mary's Mount and we had this big play about the the life of Mary Ward and we were entranced by all of this, Mary Ward, and then we were taken up to the boarders dining room and I, I was short and I could just see the top of the table and the food on the on that table was just magnificent, yeah. cream cakes and all the rest of it. <laughs> and that was in when I was in grade two, 
and that was some specific feast day or, or uh, Mary Ward's yeah. story, whether yes. it was when she was born, I can't remember, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But that play, the copy of that play, I think, is still in the archives. Yeah. It was really quite, it went all, all around to all mm. our schools. And so I think Veronica Brady might have written it. Yeah. But that's, we, we at Rudan got to know Mary Ward, and also in Mary's Mound, they had replicas of the painted life in the cloister. Yeah. And we used to go up to Mary. I, when I was doing that commercial course, I had to go up on a Saturday and do shorthand or something with Mother Lucy, and you'd always go in and make a visit. Yep, to the chapel mm. always. And because um, that was something that people did even in the street, they'd go into the chapel or the church, yes. make a visit. I think people still mm. do it. And um, yeah, we'd go in through the corridor and you'd see the painted life. And we knew about that. I knew about that when I entered. Yeah. And some of the others didn't know so much about it because no. they weren't lucky enough to be in Ballarat. And, mm. and, uh, Mug, I know that you were the principal of primary schools for many years. You can probably tell us how many decades. Oh, no, not decades. Because no? I worked in the secondary school for 15 years. Yeah. I was a secondary school teacher for 15 years. And you were the principal. In charge of the boarding school in yeah. Perth and so forth. So they were all sort of leadership roles yeah. in, in a different sort of way. Yeah. You had to know what you were doing for sure. And then... What happened, and I was in Perth at this stage in charge of boarding school, uh, which died out and they closed it. The powers that be closed the boarding school during that time. And um, what was happening with, with some of our nuns who, who were, this is a bit of an aside, some of our nuns who were working in the primary schools and principals of primary schools yeah. were studying and moving into social work or moving into something else, nursing, some of our yeah. people like Tony Mather and people like that. Yeah. And there were vacancies sort of for primary principals. Yeah. And so I had been to, I was trained as a home ec teacher and I did that in the secondary school plus religion and boarding and everything else that went with it. And all of us did that. So when the boarding school closed down in Perth, Noni suggested that I'd do 12 months training at a new teacher's college for primary school teachers. Yeah. And when I went to see the head Chirang lady, whose kids, she had her kids at our school, she said, that's ridiculous. You've got to do the full three-year primary training yeah. or none at all. So Noni said, yes, go. So I was very lucky because I needed to update my home ec anyway. Yeah. And, and it was easy to get home ec teachers around to, yeah. in our secondary schools. But it was hard to get Loretto primary principals, you mm. see. So I was very lucky. I did three-year primary training. And then at the end of that, I had one year in Thorny. And then after that, Noni asked me to come over to Portland. So I had eight years in Portland, which were absolutely fantastic, in, yeah. charge, uh, in charge of the primary school there. And then I went to Ballarat and had seven years and lots of other things happened. And then I moved into community leader jobs, yes. which I've been mm. in for ages. So yeah. it's been a you know, mixed bag of yeah. all sorts. Mm. But it's, I'm sure it's been a, a life-giving experience. Incredible, incredible. Because when I went to do the teacher training at Churchlands in Perth, there was new inspirational sort of stuff happening yeah. with teaching and mm. method and yes. uh, primary schools and kids... In the secondary school, the kids would, you know, say, oh, I don't want to do that or whatever. But the primary kids were waiting for you to tell them some new learning yeah. thing about yeah. crocodiles or something. It was a totally different thing. <laughs> and then I moved into parish, lots of 
parish opportunities. That was in Portland, thanks to Jenny Collins. She yeah. was magnificent. And so that was my first taste of apostolic work in, in parishes yeah. through the school. You know, so, the grandmothers yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, wider, the sacramental programs yeah. that we ran. That was all new to me because I was grounded in our Loretto schools yeah. in Kirribilli and in Norm Perth. Yeah. So, so, the, done, so yeah. the leader job, I reckon, over the, all of those years, one leadership job leads into another one. And, and I think for all of them, you need to have incredible resilience. You need to be able to make decisions. Mm. That's a very important and, of a leader and, and cop the flack yeah. as a result of it. But that's part of the job. And sometimes when you're a leader, you have to do really hard things. Like the football coach has to say to one of the players, you can't play today because you've got a cold or something, you know. Yeah. And it might be a grand final and they might be really tough on you. But We know how much you love the footy. I know. But, <laughs> but, but they're the hard yeah. things that a leader can... What was the But a leader decision? can also empower yeah. and do great work to empower your staff mm. or your community or... Yeah. What was the hardest decision that you had to make as a leader? Oh, gosh, and I won't ever forget it. It was when I was at Redan and I had to um, ask or put uh, one of our teachers on due process. And that, yeah. that became a volcano and I haven't got over it yet. So she she just wasn't performing and, and Catholic Education Office were, you know, saying you have to put a, we have to put her on due process. But it backfired, and which was very sad. And uh, we didn't know at the time, and she certainly uh, shielded us from her. She was having some domestic violence that we didn't know about. And oh. if we had, could have been a different scenario. Yes. But if the teacher's not producing the work and, and uh, you know, parents are complaining and so forth, you have to take steps that are not easy. Yes. So that was would have been, certainly off the top of my head, would have been the most difficult. Yeah. Mm. Now, what makes Marg Scully, Marg Scully. What gives you life and energy? Well, I'm probably getting up in the morning and and not sort of knowing what the day will unfold. And at the time, this time of my life, being grateful that you can wake up in the morning and bounce out of bed and, and have a good day, you know? Yeah. What's the question? What makes what me? What makes you, you? Well, I suppose your your background, your disposition and so forth makes yeah. you. And I came from a family where there was plenty of resilience. And as mum said, you know, we were married in the Depression. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But tough times and so forth. And out of those tough times um, coming through and thanking God that we did come through. So I think I don't quite know what makes me me, but... Probably uh, trusting God that everything's going to work out. Yes. You know, that's another uh, thing that I, I strive for. You know, there might be tough times, but somehow or other there's going to be good come out of this. Yeah. Know, just to, and I used to say when I was in, in more active ministry, this time tomorrow this this meeting will be over yeah. and the problem will be over and you just march on, you know. So yeah. I suppose having... Uh, resilience to accept and the other thing is that that um, I've been moved around a bit and 
each of the moves that I've had I would never have asked for, but I have had a ball with each move or each job yeah. that I was given. Where was your favourite place that you moved? You were asked to move to? Well, I don't think I would... Oh, a favourite place. I think even though it was very tough and there was a lot of uncertainty and there was it was the Vatican II coming through, I would have to say my 10 years at Kirribilli were... At a, you know, wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Like the community living, there was lots of things happening, sad things happening, good things happening. But we had a community there that was just top. Vibrant. Oh, there were about 35 probably, and Whoa. you had some very old, and then you had yeah. young, younger ones coming in. But uh, And we had uh, a couple of community leaders that really extended our patience and so forth. Yeah. But... When I look back on all the ministries I've had, Kirribilli, that's when I was active. Yeah. Kirribilli yeah. was, was uh, there was just something about There's Kirribilli. life there. Yeah, mm. incredible life. But the same could be said about when I went to Perth and at the boarding school and the teaching there. Yeah. And then uh, we had, uh, and then I went out to Thornley and lived in a little commission house with five others and that was really good yeah lots of stories there but um I would probably have to say it was Kirribilli yeah mm. and what what would be just to kind of wrap this up um what would be your response having done 63 years of religious life what would be your response to let your vocation be constant efficacious and affectionate well I, I would support it a hundredfold and try to live it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Constant. It, is it every hard day. to live it? Well, it's not hard for me. No. Other, well, peop yeah. other people might, might think it's hard, but it's not hard for me because I suppose I've lived long enough to experience the God moments that, that, mm. that you do have, you know, In incredible God moments. For example, when I was in Perth, as I said, I hadn't been back living in Victoria for 23 years. I yeah. came home for the odd little holiday, thanks to Vatican II. But when I was in Perth, uh, I was out of Thornley and, and I'd been sister in charge for one year and then they were going to make it a formal community. Yes. So Noni had said that I'd be the community leader and I thought, oh, well, that's good, I'm here for another mm. three years, right? And then yeah. I got a phone call on Christmas Eve to say, from Noni to say there'd been a bit of a crisis in Portland and we'd like you to go to Portland and uh, da, da 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 da. So I thought, oh, of all the people, because I'd got Seth in the West, it was really quite good yeah, over yeah. there. And um, anyway, she she said, uh, you have come back. And it just meant that I was going to come back and, and um, run the school in Portland, which was three hours away from where mum and dad lived. And my father hadn't been terribly well. And when I came back, uh, he died in the May, and mm. I was three hours away. So their oh, little God yeah. moments instead yeah. of Perth, you see? Yeah. That's only one. You know, when you live to mm. be 84, you've got a lot of God moments. And I think that's what keeps me going, you know? Yeah. Efficacious, whatever those other Eff qualities affectionate, are. Affectionate. Affectionate. Constant. Yeah, constant. And constant is, is it, you know? Yeah. A, a real commitment. Yeah, mm. 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 and I've had no problems. I've been lucky. I've been very lucky in my vocation because I yeah. have. I've accepted what's come along, and been 
deeply enriched by it and happy and um, and I've tried to to do my best, you know, in situations. Yeah. As I say sometimes that they're hard and but yeah, mm. being constant. You get blessed, you know, along the way. And I've been very blessed, very lucky, very lucky. Mm. In all the communities I've lived in, there's always been one person you could have a whinge to and say, look, what's going on here, you know. <laughs> and that's human. That's, it is, and human. it's helpful. It's it healthy. Is, it is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but each community I moved to just by osmosis or something, you know. There's um, always a friend. There's always a friend, yeah. And that's important for yeah. this way of life. Yeah. To have a lot of that's companions. A, that's right, mm. yeah. Well, I've, I haven't been short of those, for sure. No. Yeah, lot, lots of lots of wonderful um, things have happened to me. I've been very, very blessed, very blessed. Mm. And I think it goes back, like, my grandparents and my parents were had that deep faith and yes. respect for each other and so mm. forth. And so it was easy for me to, to say, I'm going to, you know, enter religious life and give my best. Yeah. Well, sixty-three years on. Service. <laughs> it's been um, it's been amazing to have you on this podcast, Marg, and um, we wish you another twenty years of religious life, if you're willing. <laughs> um, but thank you so much so. for, for today. So. Yeah. Well, thanks thank for you. having me. It's been great. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.